Kia ora, ta hi, and welcome to another episode of Tanarumanga's Team Talk, proudly sponsored by Victual, New Zealand's first health and wellbeing supplement range that combines ancient Māori and Pacifica wisdom and ingredients. And my guest this week is former all-white Jeremy Christie, who was brought up in Whangarei and is now living in Orlando, Florida. It's, uh, it's a big distance, but I'm sure it's about the same weather. That's why he went, I'm sure. Uh, he played 27 times for New Zealand and was selected in the squad, which competed at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. He's played for clubs in Australia, England and the US, and he's the only player to play for the three New Zealand professional football clubs, the Football Kings, New Zealand Knights and the Wellington Phoenix. Jeremy is now CEO and co-founder of FC Highland, a youth soccer club which runs skills programs for youth to encourage them through soccer to express themselves, play, uh, play on instincts and not be afraid to make mistakes, as well as improve their technical soccer skills and other things. Welcome, bro, and an honour to have you on the podcast tonight. How's it? Thank you. Thank you, Tana. Good, man. Honoured to be here. Like I told you through our communications, you know, you're a big uh, hero and idol of mine, you know, growing up. So it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool to, to be able to sit here and have a chat with you. Oh, no, I appreciate it. appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I think you, you stood out to me when um, I was looking for someone to talk to. You know, obviously, I've had a lot of rugby people on, so I've got to change it up. I've got to change it up. Um, and then, you know, geez, I'm, I'm getting to learn LinkedIn. Eh? LinkedIn kind of connects people. Eh? It's, it's amazing. But you being in Orlando and, you know, I looked around and going from Northland and being a soccer player, you know, <laughs> I was going. Oh, geez, that's a good. Uh, that's a. There's a bit of a journey and a story behind that. You know, so how'd you go from Whangarei to to Orlando? And what a long story that is. Um, <laughs> you know, growing, growing up in uh, in Whangarei, there weren't a lot of a lot of footballers. <laughs> First of all, you know, I don't think anyone had really gone on exactly. the all white anything. So, so I was I was a bit of an outcast in that respect. But I was lucky that um, my age group we hosted the Under Seventeen World Cup in 1999. Yeah. Uh, so I was a part of that team which kind of got me, I went down to Auckland boarding school, I was at the Mags. Uh, and then from there, you know, Kevin Fallon was coaching me there. Obviously, they're one of the greatest coaches New Zealand's had. Uh, he kind of had a connection at Barnsley in the UK. And that's like where my, I guess, my professional journey started. And then, like you said, bounced around a few different countries and, and landed here in Orlando. So that's, so, a, that's a very brief description of it. So how old were you when you went to Barnsley? I was 16. Jeez. 16 yeah it's crazy because it's uh you know the other side of the world but back then as well 1999 there was no no cell phones i think you know i don't think the internet was in was in Whangarei yet but we were um, so my i know my, i've told this to a few people like my my mom would call me you know sunday 7 p.m i'm going to call you if i was at home great if i wasn't then you know catch you next week hmm. so it, was, it would go sometimes weeks without you know talking to your parents which is, is crazy to think of now but uh for a 16 year old on the other side of the world, but um, yeah, I had to grow up quick and I had a few Kiwi brothers, uh, buddies there as well. Rory Fallon was there with me, Leo Burdos, mm. David Mulligan, Alan Pierce. So we had a, a good little Kiwi crew there too, which made it a little bit easier. So, yeah, that's a, a well traveled um, journey th- from Whangarei to Mags, isn't it? You know, we know of a lot of, a lot of rugby brothers that have done that and still mm-hmm. proud of their uh, Northland heritage. So, how did it start in Northland? Like you said, you know, you're a bit of an outcast. So, you, did you have a did you have eleven players to uh, ten other players to play soccer with <laughs> up in Northland? 
think we, we scraped a few together. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I played every sport I could. I, I love mm. basketball. I grew up playing basketball. Um, they just do like track and field, play some cricket. Uh, you know, so all year round I was playing different sports. My granddad uh, on my mother's side was English. So he kind of got me into football, um, which is why I started. And then I used to play rugby at like lunchtime and that at school, but, you know, it was never brave enough or tough enough <laughs> to play it seriously. So football kind of ended up being my, my route. And then I loved basketball. Like I was, I was pretty good at that too. And I kind of played both of them. And then I had to make a decision at probably 13 or 14 when I went to mags and made the right one because I didn't grow like an inch from when that happened. And um, I actually played basketball with, uh, with Lindsay Tate. He was oh, yeah, yeah. a couple of yeah, like touring great. groups and stuff like that. Yep. And me and him were the two, um, the two like point guards on the team. And um, like I said, he kept going. I think he got up to like six, four or something. And I stayed at five eleven. So oh. uh, that was the right decision. But it's awesome to look back and see, you know, Lindsay obviously had an amazing career too. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, you know, I think, did, who was your favourite team when you were growing up, you know, when you were back in North? And obviously with your, is it your grandfather that was the English person, did he, they were obviously very parochial to one club. Who was your club when you were growing up? Big, big Liverpool fan. My uh, my mum was born in Liverpool. Um, we had a lot of family still there and they would send every year, get the kit, like the game jersey kit. Yeah. Um, every year we get it sent over. So I grew up a massive, massive Liverpool fan and I still am to this day. Oh, jeez. Um, no. Well, also, was a big crusade. Also, a big Crusaders fan. Like you know, obviously being a rugby. Oh, person. Um, okay. Thank yeah, you. you know. hey, yeah, it's been great talking to you, mate. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, love, love Crusaders. Love Crusaders. Yeah, and, um, and you know why? You know why the Crusaders fan? Northern why is that? Oh, right. of course. I was going to. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Great man. Great man, and very proud Northlander. Very proud yeah. Northlander. It's funny you say about Liverpool. I was a Liverpool fan when I was younger, much, much younger. And um, my brother, you know, he he always bought the Shoot magazine and, um, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, we, we religiously, you know, obviously after church, but watched <laughs> um, big league soccer on, on Sunday afternoons at midday. And uh, wow. I um, I loved Liverpool. I've become a big fan, you know, the days of Kenny Dugleish and, um Ian Rush and that. So I was actually wanting to play soccer when I was when I was younger. Um, but then when I told my dad, you know, and he took me down to the rugby, you know, he said, oh, yeah, we're going to join you up and then took me down to the rugby club. And that's how I ended up playing rugby from then on. He just, I think he's, really? uh, he was a rugby man through and through. And he's, uh, yeah, I think he decided, no, I think we'll just go, we'll put you into rugby and I think that's your game, son. So, yeah, my my, yeah. my dad was a big. Um, he used to play rugby when he was younger. Um, yeah. He's you know from East Coast, Maldi boy. Yeah, and he um, I think he wanted me to play rugby, but my granddad kind of won that battle. But my dad used to tell me the story, me and my brother, that he was he was like a first five, and he had all black trials back when they used to have like trials. Jeez. And all my life, I, I was like, wow, that's awesome, that's so <laughs> cool. And then I must have been I don't know seventeen, eighteen, and my mum told me he's lying. He never had all black trials. <laughs> he was terrible at rugby. Oh. But I grew up thinking my dad was like this all black trialist. What happened? Did oh, I hurt my hamstrings? So I never really. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Like again, you know, my dad oh. kind of similar story. So yeah, I was really good at rugby. I was really good at rugby, and we had these photos of him in club days. But I actually went back to Samoa one day, you know, to play for um, I think it was New Zealand Day, and a guy just came up to me and he goes, "Is your is your father Falifasa Umanga?" And I go, "Yeah." Can't be. 
I says, why is that? Oh, he was rubbish. You should have seen his face when I went back and told him. He goes, no, no, that uh, haters, you know, no, that lying, kind of thing. Lying. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, we definitely got our skills from our mother's side. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was like a good athlete. She played hockey and did like mm. track and field and stuff down in Christchurch, so. Apparently, so she tells me, who knows? She might be yeah, well, this is right, eh? That's right. It's hard, eh? <laughs> you don't know whether to believe your parents now, eh? Like, I know, uh, I know. There's no Google back then. I don't know no, what's going on. That's it. So, so you're at Barnsley now at 16, you know? So did you? So what did you do there? Did you just go to school or, you know, what happened there? Yeah, so we're in the academy, like, the um, at the club where you we went to school, I want to say, like, two mornings a week or something, but we were full-time with the club, like training every day and maybe a Wednesday afternoon and another afternoon we'd go and do schooling, but just at the club in one of the classrooms at the club where the, where the players would go in and do, you know, an hour and a half. Um, ours was a bit of a joke too. We had a tutor, tutor who would take, give us um, sports science and we'd go and play golf and stuff. Uh, it, was a, it was a bit of a joke, but um, but there was, yeah, full, full-time football at that age. So I was actually decent in school too. I, mm. I was... I, you know, I went alright in school, but um, yeah, like that kind of stopped at sixteen. So it's I was very young to stop schooling and um, just full time football. So it was it was amazing, like for my you know development and stuff to be playing at that level and training with, with men, essentially yeah. pros and stuff every day. Um, but yeah, the schooling kind of went out the window. Oh, jeez! And so, yeah. how long were you there for? I was there for like I want to say maybe four years. Like the academy program is, is three or so years and then the club went into like administration and mm. Ken Dugdale was coaching the Knights. No, the Kings, sorry. The Kings. And when my contract was out there, he kind of reached out and said, I played for him with under 20s and he'd said, you know, come back and play for the Kings. So that kind of brought me back to New Zealand and the first of my three New Zealand uh, <laughs> franchises. <laughs> what a great honour that is. <laughs> Hey, you're the only one to do it, mate. Pioneer. You're unique, mate. You're unique. <laughs> so at 16, did you realise like that, no, nah, this is me now. I'm going to, you know, you've chucked all your, your eggs in that basket in terms of becoming a pro. Yeah, and that happened quick. Like uh, growing up in Whangarei, that was never even a, a thought, you know. Mm. And then there were no obviously no professional teams in New Zealand, but it was when Rory, Fallon, David Mulligan, they went over the year before me to Barnsley. Um, and then it kind of became like a possibility where that's a that's a real opportunity for me. And then I was fortunate enough to go over there. And but up until that that moment, I'd never thought in my life that yeah, I'll be a professional footballer. Like it's yeah, it's not something we even consider growing up. And I was fortunate enough to play for the under 17s uh, for the New Zealand team. But still, I never thought like that would be my path. So uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. But once I was over there, yeah, and, and in it, like I loved the game, loved playing. Um, and then that's, yeah, that's all I wanted to do. Well, what's your memories of England at that stage? Jeez, it's a long way to go from Paris. Yeah, and I went over there Christmas time too, and like, it's the winter in the UK, and I don't know if you know much about Barnsley, but it's not the prettiest place <laughs> in the world. It's like, it's up north, it's like an old coal mining town. Um, so it was, yeah, it was an interesting place to come from Whangarei, tropical. <laughs> And then head over to uh to you know the the cold grey miserable, um like weather was cold snowy all that kind of stuff at Barnsley so it was a bit of a culture shock but uh um 
you know, again, having my Kiwi buddies there made it a little bit easier. Yeah, look, I only had to travel there, you know, four weeks most years when I was playing, and that was enough to tell me that probably this is not the place for me. What time of year did you guys go? Did you go in we, the winter? Yeah, November. November, right? November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, when it doesn't get light till nine and it gets dark at three and uh, yeah, it was very yeah, much, yeah, says, oh, no, I don't think I can play here. You know, and yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't really like the cult. I still don't, you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm further up north now. Oh, yeah, mm. I'm with you. Like, uh, like, um, you're at least in London in that, right? That's a cool city, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. not like you're in Barnsley, <laughs> stuck in Barnsley. No, it's rough, rough. <laughs> I survived there, yeah. Oh, you did, and I'm sure there would have been some. Some good learnings from that too. I'm just sorry. We might just just because at 16, you know, like I remember, I left home. I signed a contract to go play professional league straight out of school when I was 18, and I had it all teed up. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. And then I realised after two weeks when I got there, oh, no, man, I want to go home. I'm homesick. <laughs> yeah, I miss my really? parents. And so I ended up coming. You know, signed for two years, lasted two weeks, and came home and. Uh, and you know, I was, but I didn't, I didn't really try hard at school. I was okay student if I applied myself. You know, that that typical right. comment from teachers. You know, oh, geez, he could do so much, so much better if he just tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so when I came home, you know, I was just, oh shucks, what am I going to do now? Um, but did that ever? Cross your mind, you know, like as a 16-year-old, you know, you haven't really, and, you know, you, you came across, you weren't doing that much at school. Did you just really buy, and this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to be a soccer player, and I'm going to chase that as hard as I can? I think so. I think being at boarding school prepared me as well. You know, I had two years at MAGS um, in the hostel, and with, with Kevin Fallon there, we it was like a professional program. So mm. even though the weather and that was a little bit different, the you know, the day-to-day and all the, the hard work wasn't. Um, too much different to what I'd already experienced at, at Mags, so that was that was great. And honestly, I think my personality, I enjoyed the the like the freedom, um, probably a little too much, if, if I'm being honest. Like uh, it's one thing I, I always talk to, I always talk to kids today. Like I, I wish that I had someone there that was maybe a few years older than me. And a good example is you know Winston um, mm. Reed when he went to West Ham. Yeah. I know there was a player there who was an older guy who kind of took him under his wing and, you know, and he was mm. super professional and just, and, you know, Winston took that on board and that's why he had this, you know, he's having this amazing career where I was there with other young guys and we were, you know, egging each other on, let's have fun, let's do this, do that. And, and never really probably reached, you know, my potential. I don't think because of when I was younger, I didn't have the right professionalism. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's something with with young players now that I, I work with. I always try and tell them, you know, try and get whatever your goals are, get yourselves around people who are going to help you and not hinder you. Mm. Um, and it's tough to identify that, you know, when you're young and you're living it. But it's one of the things I always look back on. Like, man, I had a good time over there. I got some crazy stories. But you know, I, I wish that I had been maybe a little more like mm. serious and dedicated. Um, but still, you know, that's 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 life. Not like a really fun, enjoyable career anyway. But Oh, that's key though, eh? Like you say, young people having mentors, someone to guide them, and yeah, you know, and you're probably fine now, eh? You can still give these young guys advice, whether they take it on on board or not, is still up to them. But at least you can also um, help them come back from it. You know, like if they do make a mistake, yeah. you know, so 
And it's never that I, you know, you want to say that I told you so, but all you do is, hey, look, uh, yeah, you've learned from that. I understand. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and that's yeah, what they're, yeah. that's what they're looking for, eh? And um, yeah, I think in my career too, I had I, I was fortunate to have quite a few, you know, older guys that kind of kept me in line, uh, picked me up, and brought me back into line when uh, when I needed to, too, which was uh, just as important. Uh, yeah, I was um, thinking about I was thinking about that the other day about like your your career and you were kind of in that um probably that transition period right between the you know the the, the old school days and that culture and then the the new stuff that came in um yeah. you know I, so when you were young did you were there really older players who were on it professionally and and yeah. like that or was that culture a little different um i think in terms of there was definitely you know like when i first became an all black Definitely, there was, um, and a professional rugby player, you know, there were guys who probably were professional but didn't know it because the professionalism was so young, you know. So what we see now is professionalism now. Some guys were just doing because, you know, they'd worked uh, most of their life, so they already had processes and structures in place about how they can get the best out of themselves, you know, and know what what they they had to do. Um, Probably the biggest change, and, and you're right, I was in that transition from, being the young guy, don't say anything, you know, don't face, the, don't turn around and look at the back seat, you know, you just face forward, you speak when you're spoken to and that's it, you know, to now, yeah. especially in, in terms of what you're doing, hey, you know, young people always have an opinion, you know, they don't, they, yeah. they don't like being told to be quiet and so you've got that's to be fine. able to, you know, you've got to be able to listen and um, so, yeah, I was really at the, yeah, that 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 true that transition period eh, about the, the culture within the teams and this hierarchical uh, concept compared to this more inclusive. You know, this everything's about being yeah, inclusive yeah. now. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That way, that intrigues me about because um, even when I first was in the All Whites, that was mid two thousands. But you know, the the leaders then were like old school. Mm. They'd tell the young players, "You got to do everything." I remember, you know, a couple of our. Our players, I, the old senior players, I had to go and get their kit for them before training and drop it off and then afterwards come and pick it up and take it to laundry and, and do all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff where um, even the young players get all the balls off the bus and set everything up. But then later on, when we started to adopt, I think, a lot of the all-black culture, like when we went to the World Cup in 2010, you had the captain, Ryan, the, you know, the highest-profile player. He's the first one, get off the bus, grab everything. Like, no questions asked, just go and do it. And the, I noticed a big culture change between when I started when I kind of finished, so you know, on the the way bigger scale that you were on, your blacks and how big that culture must have been. You know, I'm sure there was a party culture, like mm. a you know that going on and and behind the scenes, and then to how incredibly professional and um, like the amazing culture you guys had. You know, like towards the mm. end of your career, it must have been must have been cool to like see the the, the change as well. Yeah, yeah, and it had to happen. You know, uh, a you know like. It's a lot different now. There's a lot more expectation, you know, because you're getting paid money now, whereas, you know, those before were just, you know, they just did it for love and, and they lost money because they had to leave their farms and leave their jobs for a certain amount of time. And so the, that expectation brought a change in that that kind of um, that thinking um, in terms of the culture. And even, you know, like you say, the partying culture like we have in sport, yeah, that had to change because the, the social media's major change, hey, you know, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. everything's a business now. 
you know, and the brand and understanding what, you know, how we can't harm the brand and, you know, you can't harm yourself, yeah. you know, all those kind of things, eh? Um, yeah. But it, it is. It's cool, it was, it's cool that, there were, that there were senior players when you were young who were already, mm. you know, acting. And it makes sense when you say, like, the reason why they've been in jobs or they learned that structure. So who were, were there any in particular? I'm sorry if I'm hijacking this Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm no, not at all. all you know, oh, look, I'm <laughs> straight away. Uh, I think of you know the likes of Zinzan Brook and um, and jeez uh, oh, Sean Fitzpatrick and you know Robert Brook. I just remember when I in my first breakfast. I've talked about it before. You know, I tell people the first breakfast when I was first selected, and I you know you can't sleep, so I went down to breakfast early, and, and that this group of players were down there, a lot of the Auckland you know group, and they had the papers open and they were talking about the share market. And, you know, that was all, oh, yeah. And I was just trying to, I was, when I walked in there and there was no one that I knew you know, had played with or, you know, <laughs> that I could sit with. It was just those guys. So I had to sit at their table and I sat there and they were talking. And then I think it was Zinni, you know, comes out and says, man, I've got an idea. I reckon every player should put $500 into a kitty and we can just put it on the share market. And, you know, and, and I was, you know, being a young guy and, Five hundred dollars? Oh no! Yeah, but yeah, again, you know, that was the difference in thing. I don't even know what the share market. Yeah. I seen those. Was, what the hell is the share market? Yeah, I'm giving you five hundred yeah. bucks, and as soon as two, you know, I was sitting there for a while, and then a couple of guys that I knew came in and they sat at another table, and as soon as I they, I saw them, I just I uh, just kind of slant, you know slinked away and just went and sat with them. Man, did you, you should have heard what they want us to give five hundred dollars so they can gamble it away. <laughs> Man, how crazy! Yeah, it's got a maturity in that of plays. That's one thing that's really cool. I think about you know when we play in like sports teams is that there's you got the thirty five year olds and you got the eighteen nineteen year olds. Like mm. it's it's really cool to see. Um, that's one of the most you know crazy things about it because now that I'm in my you know I'm thirty eight now and I coach high school kids still young as well sometimes and yeah you know, about that but I feel I'm like oh yeah I, I you know you're 18 I played with 18 year olds mm. so in my mind but then I'm thinking but when even when I was in my 20s the players who were in their mid-30s I was like this guy's so old don't talk to me like you know you're yeah. the least cool person I know <laughs> so it's yeah it's, it's a hard realization to come to yeah oh, it is it is and um you know I think as you're saying there hey, they do look at you like oh yeah, okay, old, old timer, you know. It's yeah, we've heard it yeah. all before. Yeah, watch out the new, you know, the new it's gonna be faster now. You gotta be able to keep up. Yeah. And uh, you know, look, you just talk to them, it's just look, man, my body might not move as fast, but my mind, I'll tell you where you're going because I've seen it all before. <laughs> they don't get it, yeah, eh, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's 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 actually it's actually good banter when you that's how you can connect, eh? They they kind of give you the label of the old guy, but then they kind of yeah, they understand she's how you know I was going to do that? And it's experience, hey, eh? look, it's or a young fella. Yeah, and it helps, it helps with you guys. It helps with you guys, obviously, with, you know, at that level of the All Blacks, kids grow up watching and, you know, idolizing the All Blacks. To me, I wasn't a rugby player and I get up at 3 a.m. every time you guys are playing in South Africa, my dad, and watch the games. And even now I'll do it if games are on TV, like yeah. not many games on TV here, but I'll buy them, ESPN Plus. Yep, I'll mm. buy the game just to be able to watch the All Blacks. Um, you know, that's what New Zealanders are like in it. So uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I feel like, yeah, it's kind of woven into the fabric of, you know, the country, eh? you know, the stories and, mm-hmm. and um, 
it's changing now. You know, you know soccer is, is really growing in our country. It's one of the, you know, biggest sports now, obviously, with basketball, as you mentioned before. You know, it's really, um, you know, parents are wanting their kids to play these games because it's a, li- a little bit safer. Um, and, and the like. So rugby's got a big challenge upon it, you know, to to try and keep you know, kids playing. You know. Yeah. That's yeah, that's the challenge, you know. So they've just got to make sure that they're doing everything they can, and will and the um, governing bodies have to do everything they can to make sure that they can show that our game's safe. Um, yeah. And oh, we've talked about it before, but you know, sports in general and what it can do for you, not just on the field, but you know, both men- mentally and um, physically, uh, and even spiritually. You know, being able to talk to people, hey, you, you you grow so many good networks all over the world. You know, with mm-hmm. people that you've come across and knowing that you can talk to them at any stage is something that yeah. because they know what you're like, you know, when you've had tough times in sport and, you know, and, and they, and uh, you know how they are, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm. Hey, um, yeah. so, you, yeah, you've <laughs> traveled about around a bit, you know, so what's, uh, what's, what's been one of your um, major learnings about living overseas? Because you've been over there for a bit, you know, and what do you miss most about being, um, you know, being away from home? That's one thing I was uh, immediately thought of as being away from New Zealand for so long, you realise how amazing New Zealand is. Yeah. You know, like it's, and I never really get homesick. I don't, I can miss my family and stuff, but I'm never, don't feel like I'm really craving missing New Zealand. But then mm. when I, whenever I come home, I want to fly in and look out the window and you see the water and that, that I always feel homesick in that moment. So the main thing I miss is like the food. You know, my mom would send me a care package of chocolates and stuff every Christmas, but just family. And New Zealand's the most relaxing place in the world. America is everyone's, it's hustle bustle. It's like people work so hard and work themselves to death. And it's just that laid back nature of New Zealand is, is mm. something that there isn't, they don't really have here. You know, it's, it's everyone's grinding. It's, it's capitalism. Everyone's fighting to make a dollar, and you know, stepping over people to do it. And I just picture New Zealand of being out at you know Matapuri Beach and and Whangarei and just like this real calm, relaxed lifestyle. Um, you know, so it's that's that's the one thing that's most different, and one thing that I always think about. One day, you know, when I'm a little bit older and I'm retired, like just a nice, slow pace, beautiful, no snakes. Uh, yeah, all these kind of things mm. that I'm dealing with here, like yeah. everywhere. Really? Yeah. Are they everywhere there? Uh, I mean, you see them. Not they're not all poisonous. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'll be I'll be mowing my lawn and I'll see a no a way snake go flying. Yeah, terrifying. I'll tell you, that's yeah. one thing. I, I just can't <laughs> snakes. I yeah. 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 I, I actually watched some videos on snakes. I've tried to learn, but they just scare <laughs> the, the hell out of me. Terrifying. Even the ones that are harmless, you know, the black ones here are like harmless, like a black racer. But it's, when you see this thing, just, oh, man, terrifying. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's funny you say that because over here at the moment, I think there are people that are – Starting to understand, you know, what you in terms of the US, you know, when you say grinding or stepping on people, because you know, it's a bit of a struggle street here at the moment. Um, and I suppose that's right. everywhere, eh? Like you say, uh, in terms of you know what's the world we live in now because of COVID and 
and the like. Um, but yeah, that's it, yeah, it's tough. And obviously, what's happening around the world, eh? It's just nuts. You know, what's wild, man. Yeah, wild. And being being here, like America is, like it's land of opportunity for sure. You look at just the sheer amount of people and everything. Florida alone is twenty million people. Mm. But just the, the the craziness that goes on in the country with the the, the all the political stuff is wild. It's just man, it's I've never seen anywhere there's just two sides and no matter what, you have to agree with your side and it's it's bizarre. But like even with COVID, there was no COVID here. It was like it didn't happen. Because, you know, you've got these these politicians who are like, All right, we're not gonna shut things down. The economy's more important than than, you know, health and stuff. We don't want to make the economy die. Mm. So Florida was a was there was a few months where things were closed down, but then it was it was a free for all again. People were back in school, okay, you've got to wear masks, but you could travel. I went to Dominican Republic for a friend's wedding. We went to Mexico. Like you can still come and go. Like after a couple of months. Weird that Jeez, we went years. Nearly yeah. <laughs> years of lockdown. I know. So and because it was there was like, I want to, yeah, maybe six months, but then bars are opening again. You're going in and it's like places are packed. Well, this doesn't seem right. Sometimes <laughs> I'm reading things like how bad COVID is, but Florida, and here it's weird because every state is different, does their own thing. And Florida was just known as like, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> You'll be fine. Oh, well, geez, you've come out the other side of it. Well, we hope anyway, eh? We all know from the earth, goodness grows. Victual, New Zealand's own health and wellbeing supplement range with native and Pacific ingredients. Visit victual.co.nz and take your first step to help your goodness grow. So what's the favourite place that you've been to, you know, in terms of in, in your travels? You know, what, what's the, your favourite? That I lived in or that I just visited? Um, I think lived in, yeah, where you've played. You know, I had I had a year or so in Perth, which was which was a really cool city. Like yeah, the beach was great. Like it was, it was a fun, fun city. But I, I lived in, you know, played for the Phoenix, lived in Wellington for a couple of years, and really enjoyed Wellington. Like, what a cool city, man! The culture and that, just the, yeah. it was like, I don't know, I really, really enjoyed Wellington too. So, those two probably. I mean, I also I lived in Tampa here in in Florida, um, and that's a beautiful like city too. It's on the bay. There's the beaches. Uh, that's like a really cool place too, but. It's probably those three. I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Perth. Like Perth was just such a such a cool vibe, and it was it was back before when was it two thousand and six or seven or something. So it was not too crazy back then, but it was it was a lot of fun. Wellington seems to stick out as the odd one out to me. You've got Perth that's really <laughs> hot. You know, I, I can only imagine. I've never been to Tampa or <laughs> I don't know where it, it looks hot to me. And, uh, and in Wellington, where I've brought up, I was brought up there, man, uh, and I had to move out because I just the southerly got to me you know, <laughs> after about thirty-four years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there was if there was a downside, it was it was the southerly for sure. But um, it also helped. You know, we had a lot of lot of just a really good team there as well like a really good group of guys mm. like i had so many good friends there and it was just it was really fun and we loved the every day just go from training and bounce around like three or four different cafes have a coffee here restaurants were good so it was yeah, yeah it was a cool city yeah. it's um i think that's uh, the positive thing about Wellington. everything's so close you know it's not so spread mm-hmm. out and as you see they they do um socializing well uh, yeah Wellington, it makes it easy yeah, yeah. Did you, do you remember actually I, this is the first time I think I met you was 
you had like a farewell. Yes, something, like uh, up, a little upstairs party thing. of um, yeah. Did you come with uh, Hopper Ross. and yeah, yeah, Hopper, Hopper and Ross? Yeah, so and Ross, Ross and Hopper were good friends, and yeah, yeah, Ross and And I was out with them, and they were like, "We're going to Tana's thing." So I remember going there and drinking Carver, my first ever time. Yeah, in the, in the little guys. room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely I remember. remember uh, I do remember that because you know, because obviously Ross and Hopper had become because um, you know Hopper's uh, who's only person that's ever touched my dreads. <laughs> you know, really? he, yeah, my hairdresser, and um, and I knew him and Ho- uh, Ross were really tight. And you know, he loved every time I'd go in there, he'd be talking about the Phoenix and Ross, and yeah, you know, was, right. oh, is that right? Jeez. Yeah, yeah mate. I was there, mate. I was there briefly. Briefly, we stopped. Then I think I had like a little bit of carver, and then that was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. Never That's touched carver again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that was that, mate. So yeah, that was that was Wellington. You know, it was, and we had we had some cool events there. David Beckham came out with the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. And played a game, and we had like a, a big party after that, and just was. I used to go to the Sevens. Uh, like it was, it was a fun place, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, they've taken all that away now. <laughs> Some really? There's no the No, no sevens there anymore. It's moved. Yeah, I think. Um, what did they do? I think they just stopped uh, serving alcohol. I think was the thing, or something around <laughs> yeah, limiting alcohol. And uh, yeah, that blew it because everyone just went for the. It was yeah. a good time. Sevens kind of was there, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was the reason, but it was wasn't the what everyone went for. For sure. Man, that sucks. That was amazing, that little sevens weekend. Oh, well. Maybe I'm uh, going to like it now. Oh, that's right. Hey, um, one little question. What's a rowdy? I, I did when I was looking at looking at Tampa Bay rowdies. What, what What's that? No idea. <laughs> no idea. Uh, maybe like a rowdy person. Someone who's like a... Must be. A partier or something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, no, that, that, was, that seemed, seemed to be the nickname of the Tampa Bay team you were at. I was like, what's a rowdy? Yeah, man? it was. The Tampa Bay Rowdies, and they're still called that. They've been called that for like 50 years. It makes no sense. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh. So now, you know, you've um, you've been playing all over the world. You've come back to New Zealand. You've, you've done your time in Wellington. And you've – what was it like, you know, with the, the World Cup soccer, you know, that's one of the biggest, if not the biggest occasion in world sport. Well, what was that like attending it and obviously being named in it first and foremost? I mean, it was funny because I'd actually, we'd been to the Confederations Cup the year before um, in South Africa, big tournament. And I was, I'd been in the team for a long time, you know, and, and everything. And then I just had a few run-ins with a couple of people at the tournament and the Confederations Cup. And um, I actually left the Phoenix that year. And then I wasn't in the team for like, didn't make the national team for a little bit. I had some, you know, attitude issues or something, which I held my hand up and was like, maybe that, that might be somewhat true. But then, um, so I was, when I went to America, I was playing in Tampa and I was clawing my way to get back into that team because we qualified. Mm. So then in my mind, I'm like, shit, we, we haven't been to World Cup in 30 years. Am I going to miss out? Because, you know, I was being an idiot in training at a, at a tournament. So I was playing and I was like communicating back to the coaches constantly about, you know, these are, I played, I scored, I, did this these are my fitness test results and everything and and i got the you know the call that i'd made the team like i when it was announced i didn't mm. know that i was in it i got announced and i got the call that i was in the team so and it was like i think a week before we went 
they named the team or two weeks before. Uh, so even to be there was was just incredible. Um, and you know, then I got to I played a couple of the warm up games and I came on in the first two games in the tournament. But that's I mean, there's no words mm. like that that tournament. Growing up, you know, I was born in '83. The last time we'd been in was in '82, so I'd never seen New Zealand there. Uh, so just to be there and be a part of it and that whole experience, we had such an amazing group of players, like the camaraderie and that, the culture was amazing. It was the most fun six or seven weeks just with, with our, you think you get sick of each other, but like that wasn't the case at all. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, the team, we played well, got some good results and stuff. So um, it was kind of a dream, really. I mean, it's, you know, we, we end up, we didn't make it out of the group, but if we had over, we probably got smashed in the next game you know all the teams that qualify out of the group so to walk away undefeated and three good results is, you know it was it was pretty incredible man and certainly it's the highlight of my career like by a million miles yeah um, and one of the real highlights of my life like just the nuts mate. it's you know the like you say the making it is one thing but being there and it uh, being amongst, you know, some of the greatest names in the sport, were there anyone that you'd come across when you played there that, oh, hey, that's, you know, did you, you know, was there some fanboy moments in there that, because you played Italy, didn't we? And uh, and it was your second game, and um, you, we were able to draw, which is a huge result for for New Zealand. You know, that would have been. We, we actually had a couple of games. Yeah, I mean, playing like they they were world champions as well mm. at the time. So, you know, those those players were all household names. But we actually played a couple of games. In 2006, we played against Brazil, and they were the, the world champions at the time, and that was Ronaldinho and Kaká and Ronaldo. But like, this is mm. legendary players, and we got to play against them. It was amazing. And then we played Spain in the Confederations Cup in 2009, which was the team that went on to win the World Cup in 2010, and Fernando Torres and like Xavi and Iniesta, like the best players in the world. So by the time we got to Italy, it was, it was still amazing, but, you know, yeah. there's a little bit more like okay don't be too like, overawed don't be mm. asking for autographs and that yet but yeah but you know Ryan was great when you talk about leadership and stuff um, mm. in those in that tournament we had you know we had massive underdogs so we're going there and, and we had a this guy who was our analyst and before the games he would come in and kind of talk to us about the other team and I think it was the Italy game and he was talking to us saying um, I think Ryan tells a story somewhere but he was saying, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. If this guy gets the ball, he's going to destroy us. This guy's amazing. Like, just saying all of that. And the boys are kind of sitting there like, oh, we're going to get smashed. <laughs> and then Ryan kind of gets up, sends the guy out of the room. He's like, right, thanks. I got this. Closes the door and just says, it's like, look, these bunch of these guys, this one here, he's come and trained with us at, at Blackburn. And he was terrible. This guy's got a huge reputation. I played against him once. Average. This guy, he just went through, like, all the players and kind of said, you know, as long as we do our thing, we got this. And everyone kind of relaxed a little bit and obviously went up there, got a great result. Um, so it was when I, when you talk about like leadership and stuff and, you know, guys like that first recognizing that, you know, I can still look in the player's eyes. Yeah. This is not going to go well. And then having the, you know, the aura to be able to stand up, kick him out the room. And then, you know, as soon as he talks, everyone just listens and makes everyone feel at ease and stuff. But um, he told us afterwards, like he had no idea who most of them, like none of them had come and train with them. Yeah. <laughs> he's just trying to make us feel better. Um, so yeah, he's a it was like incredible leadership that that I got to see from those guys. So that's something I try and you know, teach the the leaders that we have coming through in the younger ages about 
you know, your responsibility to the group and being like the father of a, of a family and, mm. you know, make their own feel at ease. So Ryan was a great example of that. And I think a lot of that comes from, again, the stuff that we did or our coaches did with, with um, Graham Henry and that with the All Blacks and that culture and having leadership groups and, um, and all those kind of things, which, mm. you know, which was huge for us. Yeah, so in terms of that leadership, you know, what are the, some of the attributes that you really um, connect with, you know, and you drive? You know, obviously, as you said with uh, Ryan Nelson, yeah, understanding your group, you know, and, and uh, you know, stepping in when you know I, I need to say, uh, as, you, as you said with Ted Graham, Sir, Sir Ted, sorry, Sir Graham Henry, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I remember having that discussion with him around, you know, his – team talks before our games, you know, was something that he had done all the time, but I could just see our players would turn off, you know, all we wanted to do was get on the bus and go to the game and we would have this half an hour talk around, you know, trying to motivate us and say, we're ready, just let us go, you know, and so I had to have that chat to him about, you know, who are those for? Are they for you or are they for us? Because they're not helping us, so they must be helping you, you know, and yeah, it is. And you get to a stage, you know, I'm sure you've been there too, where you just, you can read and, and you're getting, you know, the last thing you want is everyone having little giggles or, oh, what was that about? Like, Jeez, what a waste yeah, of time, yeah, yeah. you know, especially before a game. And yeah. so you, you just want to, you're trying to help out as well. Eh? You, you, don't look, you know, our boys, they're grown up enough to know what's required at this level. Yeah. You know, you've had that. That's amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's amazing that if you were, like, instrumental in, in changing, like, the team talk before the game, because that's one of the things that, that I do, and I think I, I might have even, like, got it from the book or from our experiences with it, where it's, you know, your work's been done during the week. Mm. I knew as a player, like, the things you say to me 10 minutes before a game, I'm like, you know, I'm the last thing I can think about. And especially here, as so I do with my teams, no team talks, like, you mm. put the information on the board or whatever, but no, like, especially here when it's all about, like, you know, the motivational team talk and yeah, yeah. the movie moments. That's what it's like. Here. It's the, like taking speeches and stuff from Independence Day and, yeah. you know, any given Sunday and stuff like that. So to not do team talks at all is, is bizarre. But again, I feel like it makes people relaxed. Mm. So it's, 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 and it's like almost revolutionary here to not do it. So it's, it's pretty cool that, you know, you've been so instrumental in making, you know, that change with, with that group, which oh. has now led to me taking a group of kids and, you know, across the other side of the world, like, and, and kind of taking that on board. That's wild. You understand, you understand why too. Eh? You're like, once you think about it, you realize yeah. actually, yeah, you know, it, and it's only because it's always been done before. So, oh, so we just mm-hmm. follow in that. But who are we serving really? And who, who is it serving? Yeah. You know, and I think in the end, you know, in, in terms of leadership, eh? you know, in terms of you are, you know, you, you're serving someone a group you know or all the team yeah. so you got to do what's best for them yeah oh that's awesome um that's wild. so you know we'll go into um so now you've started up uh you know uh, your fc highland uh youth soccer club what was the thinking about that you know like we'll go back a bit like myself you know i, I didn't really have an idea what i wanted to do after rugby you know, and sport, and because I hadn't really done well at school, and you know, you, you've you've said at sixteen you were straight into sport. So, at what stage did you start thinking about? And I still say thirty eight young to give up, you know, to retire. So, you know, you said in thirty eight, yeah, you should still be playing, mate. <laughs> you should still be playing. No chance. <laughs> Tell my knees that. <laughs> 
You know, so yeah, what stage did you start thinking about a life after uh, after um, football? You know, I was, I never thought I'd want to coach. When I played, I was like, when I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. Um, but then I actually had like some, I saw a lot of New Zealand players, national team players uh, who were older than me, who, who were kind of hanging on, like playing for another year here and mm. eking out like a year contract here, year contract there. And, you know, there's the problem is when you get to, to that age, you know, you're getting six, unless you're obviously playing the top, top level, you're getting six month contracts and one year contracts and there's no security in it. And I just, I don't know. I, I felt like I didn't want to, I don't want to do that. Mm. Like when I'm, when I'm, if I'm not getting what I want out of it, then I'll, I'll be done. And we played, when was it? I was 30 when I, when I finished, we played in the, the qualifiers for the 2014 world cup. And we played over in Mexico and I'd had like a year out with injury. So I was already starting to think like, you know, now I'm old. I've been in the UK looking at clubs and, really difficult it was you know not a ton of money and short-term contracts and that so i said okay we'll go to these qualifiers if we qualify i'll keep playing until the world cup just so i'm playing but if we don't i'll, I'll call it a day and then we you know we play against mexico and i got to play at azteca stadium mexico city um, we got smashed but you know as for me as a as like a final memory i play in front of a hundred thousand people at you know one of the, the biggest awesome. stadiums in the world mm. and you know we came back to wellington i didn't play in the game at home and then we were out and that was me i was like at peace and i i'd already had kind of something lined up here in america where you know medical sales is like pretty lucrative kind of gig and i wasn't in a position where i could you know not have to work so i had that lined up and, and I, I went straight into a, a career in medical sales which i did for like a few years before actually helping out at a high school and then realizing you know what I really miss football. Mm. Like I think I can Im impact some kids and and get back involved. So that's that's when I kind of started coaching and started this club. But um, I'm glad I didn't keep playing because it would have been a case of you know six months here and then okay now I've got to go across the world and now six months here and you know I just didn't I didn't want to do that because I want to start the next phase of my life. Um, yeah, so that's kind of that's what I did. I, I was. I met my now wife as well at the time. And, you know, that's not, I didn't want her to have that lifestyle either. I've got a year here, a year here. Mm. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of set up some roots and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a mature decision. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad it did, you know, it kind of got me to where I am now. So. A timely one, a timely one. Yeah. So medical, so, and, and so your opportunity to go into that, that field of work was that through a contact you know because one thing i've learned around here is just the networks in terms of utilizing those that you come across in sport that we might not have first thought about once we get into sport you know like i've talked a lot around um sponsors and actually talking to those people around you know making connections that could possibly help later in life was that something how you got into that that, that field of work no, because I I was I don't even I think I'd only just moved here. Like I just decided I was going to be in Florida. So um, I just put like a, a resume, which is just you know football. Sixteen <laughs> didn't finish high school and play football, so wasn't much of a resume. But uh, you know, medical sales here as well. They look at competitiveness and they're like ex athletes and stuff like that. So um, I just you know almost straight away picked up a, a pretty good position and was able to go and do this you know the American sales thing, which is 
like it was it was alright for a little bit, but you know, it was it's not. I don't think it's us as New Zealanders because mm. it's a little. I don't know. It's it's kind of you got to go out there and be a little corny and you know very overly talkative and cheesy and stuff like that and it started to wear on me so i had to kind of pack it in i wasn't very good at it either i don't think i was too nice like i was i still wouldn't be aggressive with people and like start pulling them into ordering things but it was interesting it was good to see like a little bit of the the you know corporate world um and stuff like that like it was it was an interesting change it's um, funny because you know the sales part, eh? You know, like when you said it's not us. You know, obviously with you know, in our own business, you know, I have to be kind of the salesperson because I'm, you know, my face is behind it. Yeah. You're exactly right. Oh, yeah, only if you want. You know, well, yeah, no, it's up to yeah. you. And you know, there's no. That's me. <laughs> I'm terrible. I said, you, oh, well, I don't know. He might come back next week. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> They'd, they'd say to me like, "Oh, you know, we actually like this other company's products." I'd be like, "Oh, well, that's good. Then stay with them." <laughs> oh yeah, they're good too. You yeah, know, they're really good actually. <laughs> the worst, man. Yeah, worst. Oh, I got, no. it was a good icebreaker. You know, I had like a the accent, so that's like icebreaker over here. Yeah. How oh, are you from New Zealand? Oh, I always wanted to go to New Zealand, so that would get me in the door a lot. But yeah, after a while, man, I was like, eh, a little, <laughs> little, little icky doing all that." Oh, so, so there's no hope for me, but I'll, I'll keep persevering. Man. I'll keep persevering for us. You might be able to give me some tips. So now you, you know. So starting up your, you know, um, the youth soccer club. How did that come about? Because that, that can't be easy either. Really difficult. Actually, I was coaching at a high school. And I was running this after-school program for the little kids, and I was just hearing all these horror stories from all the kids about their club experience so they the way it works here is they'll play club through the um autumn and the spring and then the high school is the or the winter is a high school season mm. so it's like separate entities so i was coaching in the high school and then the club experiences that i was hearing from everyone was just you know it's all about just bringing in as much money as they can and everyone's just a number coaching wasn't great it was just just wasn't you know kids weren't getting developed and stuff like that so um i kind of just started with a couple of teams just to say here's some kids i know from from parents and let me work with them a little bit and then we started in spring of 2020 and then summer was when like covid came mm. and it was like the worst time to start anything because everything was like shut down youth sports were shut down from the start of this club but um we kind of got through and now we're now what's this going into our third year and we're at like 25 teams and you know like 300 kids and stuff like that so it's um, just trying to do things the right way. And, you know, we have, I stole the motto from all blacks, you know, we're better people make better players. And mm. It's about like developing character and, and just making it like a fun environment where, you know, you don't, you don't, don't dedicate your life to it at the age of nine years old. Like we're talking about, it's, you know, come and have fun and learn character traits. And, um, you know, if you are someone who has the desire and the potential to play higher, then, you know, we've got the right people to help you with that as well. So, just tried to do things the right way essentially and it's it's been you know unsurprisingly i guess it's been pretty effective because a lot of people over here and maybe we're idealistic because it's very new mm. sure everyone started off trying to do it the right way um but yeah it's been good you know we're, we're, the networking and stuff here is fantastic as well um the the high school i coach at is, is like a top top private school here um so there's some really good people around and, and there's a great network of kids and the kids are all great and um, soccer is growing uh, in the US, but in particular in Orlando, there's an MLS team now. There's a women's team here. 
Um, some of the world's best women players play here or have played here. Um, so the game's really exploding here in, in, uh, in Orlando. So it's, you know, it's good to be a part of, of developing young kids. There's so much talent here, like mm. athletic ability and, and stuff like that, if they can get the right, the right training. Um, you know, there's some really good kids. So it's, it's fun, like, working with young guys. And we partnered with Everton in the Premier League, where we get to – I'm a Liverpool fan, so it hurts a little bit. <laughs> But um, <laughs> we get to access to a lot of their curriculum, and you know we can. They've got a great um, academy program over there, and they develop kids in a really good way. So we're able to access that to give our kids, you know, the, the kind of highest level of, of coaching available. Um, so yeah, we're, we're we're growing pretty quickly, but just just trying to do things the right way. And mm. for me, handling the, I tried to handle the the football side of it, and my business partner handled the business side of it. But I'm I'm learning. You know, he's a president of a couple of other companies, so this is almost a, a you know, a, a side gig for him where it's my everything. So I'm trying to get more involved in the business side of it, and even trying to understand that. And and here, especially with all the different tax like implications and mm. and everything like that, it's a it's a learning experience. And for someone who hasn't been in school for you know twenty something years, uh, it's tough to try and uh, <laughs> to learn everything. But I also want to make sure I am learning it, you know, because it is essentially it's a business, and I'm trying to run it so it's a challenge but it's it's good man i enjoy on the field that stuff's the most yeah. fun being out there with the kids and stuff but um you know during the day i'm trying to work on the the other side of it which is it's a little more challenging for me and so you've got your business partner and were you so did you meet him obviously before you you started this off was it how did you get how did you come across him because you know, if one thing for me has been actually mentors people that have done it before you know exactly as you said the grass is where that's that's me. I love, but being inside yeah. on the computer and and trying to understand business is is where we yeah. had to had to learn quick, you know, and and yeah, you know, in depth. Yeah, yeah. He was he was actually, I was running a, a soccer camp over the summer one year at the school, and his son goes to the school. Um, so we just we just started talking and became friends, and it was you know a year later when. He was kind of one of the ones who was telling me all the, the negative things about the club that his son was at. And I was like, you know what, why don't we, mm-hmm. why don't we start our own little club? And then it kind of went from there. And um, he's a very successful businessman and, you know, really well connected. So it's been great at the school actually to like the, all, all the kids play soccer. So all the parents, are, you know, I told you the Lando Magic head coach yeah. and there's so many um, influential business people. So I've been able to connect with a lot of them and, and learn. And, you know, I just tell them about, my business and they'll just give me you know, little tips and the one I keep hearing from all of them is like anything you're not like a hundred percent comfortable with doing get other people to do it like the people who are experts in those fields mm. you know so you're better to do two jobs really well than five jobs average yeah. so it's yeah some good like advice to bring people in to, to do things you can't do um, so it's yeah like I said man it's learning you know it is we're, we're just out here right we're trying to we're trying to grasp it and we um, trying to grow and stuff, and it's it's a challenge, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying like learning about business. It's kind of nice to, especially as athletes, to mm. to learn about business, and I feel like we're you know growing a little bit. So, what what yeah. would you say? You know, as you see, we're athletes as well. What what would you be? What skills would you be? You know, that are you bringing across from you know the sports world into into your business? You know, because I talk a lot about transferable skills. Mm. I think. Um, a lot of the stuff that from a team environment, you know, making and you know someone who's who would be awesome for you to, to try and touch base with as well is um, Tim Brown, who mm. you know played football with us and now is, is, owns Allbirds. 
Um, and I, when I was starting it up, I'd connect with him a lot and he would give me little nuggets of advice. And, you know, he kind of said, trying to relate my business to his saying that his most important people are in retail, are the people who are working in the shops. Most people, the people working in retail, they just treat them, you know, mm. like, like nothing. The, the, the workroom out the back is, is gross and they're not being looked after, but, you know, he really puts a lot of emphasis on making them feel like valued. Um, so he tried to relate it to me and he's like, yeah, your, your example of that is your coaches. You need to really make them valued. They're not just numbers because they're the point of contact for your customers, which is the players. So really try and, um, you know, use, not be the boss, but be one of the, the team and let them give them a lot of, a lot of freedom, um, you know, and, and again, make them feel valued and treat them really well. And then they pass on good experiences to the kids. So, um, that that's one thing that I didn't necessarily do as a player, but I was in teams where the, again, we talk about leadership, mm. um, and making, empowering the people from within and, and, you know, all of that comes from within the group instead of someone on top telling everyone what to do. So try and try and kind of empower all the, all the coaches and stuff, um, oh. which is, you know, and then you weed out the ones who are, you know, mm. they're not for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone yeah. talks about staff being so important over and, and, as you said, you know, you'll have your good ones, but then there's also the ones that are just there for, for the draw, you know, just to work and clock in and clock out, yeah. which is, is is okay. But if they do it in the positive way, if they're just doing it with without much, you know, being your shop front window, if they're not doing it with the energy that you expect, then, yeah, you have to have discussions, eh? And, you yeah. know, those, Even those, that, I think that's, that's a good challenge for us, right? Like, how do I get them? to mm. buy in like how do i get yeah. them to feel like they're part of it and want to do it so it's i like those kind of challenges too yeah yeah oh look i'll have to get you get you to you know give tim a bit of a a tip you know, to, to give us a call it's at all i'll give him a call at some stage and see how we go oh sure he's yeah, a busy he's man, though, man like. he's a busy man yeah. right you know we're trying to get to his level. <laughs> we'll just keep oh, grinding no. away. We'll just keep grinding Not away. Not many people at that level, mate. Oh, so I'm like, give me a that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so what about the future? What's, what does the future hold for you know, yourself and, and um, FC Highland? Um, I don't know. It's I, I just want to... I don't know if it's if we get to a point where we try and franchise it or something because mm. it is a little bit different what we're doing. But um, at the moment, I just want to really focus on, you know, being who we are, which is, you know, really being character driven. And I think if we can, it's hard, it's hard not to dream and like look at the big picture. But I just want to keep worrying about what we're doing and, um, and you know, growing steadily. But I, I can see us growing to, you know, have a few thousand kids and. Um, potentially taking it to other cities um, mm. and franchising. That would be the dream to get a men's team at some level. Um, obviously, MLS is, you know, you're paying hundreds of millions of dollars to even get in it. But I'd like to have our own facility. We now have, like, exclusive use of fields from the city. But it would be good to have our own facility that we own um, with good training facilities where you have teams coming out from – because you have clubs coming here from Europe every summer for preseason because, you know, it's coming to mm. Florida. So to, to be able to start to connect with them and host them over here um and i don't know i always i would love to get involved with new zealand like the the national team i'm doing on my coaching licenses and i I know danny pretty well and and obviously rory and i'm just dropping them little hints all the time like uh come on man hey i'm getting there 
be some quarters to fill or something. So yeah. I'm, um, I'm trying to, uh, I'd like to, yeah, I guess my coaching is hard because I, I do have ambitions of being a coach because mm. um, I do really enjoy that. But now with the, the business as well, it's like, I don't know if you can do both. Maybe my high level coaching ambitions need to take a back seat for the business to run well. Um, so that's something I'm, I'm kind of fighting with a little bit inside, you know, like, do I want to give it a go with coaching and try and be a high level coach? Um but I'm just kind of taking it as it goes a little bit. Like I didn't think I'd be here, you know, when I started the club two years ago. Um, so I would imagine whatever my plan is in my head in two years' time, it'll be completely different. Um, so I try not to plan a whole lot, you know. It's hard to, to plan in this uh, at these times, isn't it? You know, you don't know what's going to happen uh, around the corner. So, you know, yeah. Um, mate, you yeah. still look fit too. Yeah. So you know, I always ask, you know, what what's your health and well-being regime? How do you look after yourself first, you know, physically, but also mentally? You know, when you've got, you know, as you've said, you know, you're running the business, you're actually on the on the park coaching as well, you know, which is I, I know is tough. Yeah, I think I think the certainly mentally being on the field is the is the I guess the refreshing part for me because my phone's away. You know, I'm not having to deal with emails and phone calls and stuff. I can just get on the field. And I coach some older kids too, so I get to jump in the training sessions and um, I still play a little bit. So, um, you know, I think mentally that that that's what gets me through is being able to almost on a daily basis jump in with the kids. And you know, I have coaches at my club who are all former players, so there's still that you know the locker room kind of yeah. the banter and stuff back and forth, which is the thing I miss most about playing um the changing room so it's i still kind of keep it that way and then physically i in my preseason, with my high school team we do fitness stuff and I, I try and jump in um but like i said the knees start to creak a little bit um but i'll try and jump in sessions and stuff when i can and manage not to blow up yet but yeah 40s around the corner mate we'll see how i'm, see how I'm looking in a couple of years uh, yeah trust me it's all good until yeah a couple of then all of a sudden you try and a little bit that those can Competitive juices start flowing, and then oh, he's not too far in front of me. I think I can get him here, and then know, oh, 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 no, something's gone. <laughs> I know, and I always thought I was always like one of the fittest at my clubs and stuff mm. when I was younger. So in my mind, I'm still thinking, what time are you doing a 400? Oh, I should be able to do it a lot easier. Than like you said, everything I'm sore for four days after that, so <laughs> got to try and calm down a little bit. Yeah, and then the you know the the young guys next the next day, come on, coach, just like yesterday. This, I know. Oh no, no, hey, uh, just calm down now, okay? I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm 38. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jeremy, hey, look, it's been a, a total pleasure um, talking to you and catching up with you. It's it's. It's what I expected, man. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, learning a, a lot more about you and, and what you're doing over there, which is which is great. And I'm sure I'll learn a lot from it. So I appreciate your time, brother, especially this late at night. No, all good, man. Thank you. And like I said, it was a, a honor for me. You're one of my, you know, my all-time all-black 15. You're my you're my center in there. So uh, you know, it was an honor for me to be able to chat with you, and especially hear some of the stuff about, you know, I, I use the legacy and, and that all-black culture as a big mm. part of my business but also my coaching life and and to be able to talk to someone who was like instrumental in that um and that culture is, is pretty cool for me as well and i'd love to you know, connect more and, and and see what else we can do yeah 100 100 okay brother you take care right eh? all right my man thank you bro thanks for listening 
make sure to check out Vickshul's website at www.vickshul.co.nz so you can rebalance your lifestyle with ancient wisdom and ingredients.